and the nerd in me uh, always tries on some level to assign a value to the episode number. Um, and I've been looking forward to this one because I, for 22 years, have been playing rec league hockey. And I've always worn number 48 and your episode number 48. Right so, Cole Welch, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so, we discovered just a minute ago that we're both former Lancers. Um, did you, are you born and raised here? I am, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Research Hospital. Okay, just right, right over this where my, my sister was born there too. Um, and how did your folks meet? Uh, they met in college. Okay. Where so, at? Nice. So my dad's from Southern Kansas, and my mom's from the Chicago area. Okay, cool. Um, and you said you have two younger or two younger siblings. Okay. Yeah. Um, and did mom and dad play music in the home when you guys were kids, or? Uh, not really. I mean, they had they had a handful of records. Uh, it was usually like uh, Carpenters or Neil Diamond. Um, and uh, uh, they had this beatnik poet they liked. Ooh, who? Uh, Rod McEwen. Okay. And we used to listen to, I had all these Rod McEwen poems memorized. Spoken word yeah, albums. Spoken word nice. albums. And I memorized at like age five a cat named Sloopy. But yeah, it just, uh, I always loved music. And I think when I was. Oh, I was probably, probably six or seven, and my dad gave me his old turntable and took me to Peach's Records at 75th and Metcalf. Metcalf and said, you can have any album in here you want. Uh, and I know he was probably hoping, you know, he loved CCR and Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Sure. And I think he was trying to steer me to that. And I remember one wall in Peaches was just plastered with Saturday Night Fever. Okay, yeah. And I was like, well, obviously that's the biggest fucking album here, so I want that. And it's a good I, one. And he was like, eh, are you sure you want <laughs> I took it home and wore it out. I mean, you can tell by the way I walk, I'm a woman's man. <laughs> like, that, uh, I don't know, I mean, it's somewhere in the early 80s I first you know, I remember seeing that movie on TV, mm -hmm. uh, and he, you know, and being like, this is when I listen to this disco shit, like I want to like move my hips and shoulders. I've never right. had that feeling before. Right. And then right. you see the Bee Gees and just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Not, not I, I can't say that the entire record is, but, uh, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff on it. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so before I forget, uh, you were doing a recording session yesterday and you said with a fairly new band. Right. Yep. Um, we've, been, we've been playing together for, well, some of us been playing together for about a year, but, um, our bass guitarist just joined us, um, oh, maybe four months ago, okay. five months ago, something like that. Uh, yeah. And we're all older guys, yep. you know, I think Phil and I are both 50 and, you know, we range 50 to 55 and, you know, professionals and other ways. And just, we just all love music and playing music. And you it's, guys it's have, a, it's been an absolute blast. Four piece, five. Four okay. Piece, yeah. Do you have a name? Velvet Jackson. Velvet Jackson. That's so slick. That was a name that the, uh, 
the guitarist and the singer had a, a previous. They were in a band together. Okay. The Jackson before, so they resurrected that name. Are you Are you on drums? I'm drums. Okay. Yeah. No mm-hmm. keys though. We don't have. Well, Steve can play some keys. Okay. Steve, Steve plays acoustic guitar and keys too. And do you guys have uh, anything on like any kind of online presence or? Not not, not yet. yet. That's that's what we were at the recording studio for. Okay. So no no socials, no not website, yet. no. Okay. We're, we're in the process of setting all that up. And how many bands prior to this one have you been in? Well, so I started playing drums at um, maybe 10. Really? And, uh, but quit as a freshman in high school. Um, The the band teacher at East uh, just kind of just sucked the fun out of it for me. Seriously? Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like... that the I don't know it's not important who it was, but I definitely remember the name of the band teacher yeah. having some clout, sort of, sort of. Everybody knew, yeah, who, who he was. He was a pretty intense dude. Okay, yeah. Um, and I wasn't very good. Uh, okay, and it wasn't my main instrument. My, my main instrument was actually the bagpipes. Really? Really? How in the world? So again, at about ten years old, um, my parents had this kind of this. I don't know if it was a rule or request, a strong request. Um, you know, everyone has to try an instrument. Sure. And I love it. I think Good I job, was, mom and dad, by the way. Right. Absolutely. And I think I was at an age where they were like, all right, so what are you going to pick? And uh, my dad had taken me to the, I think he took me to the St. Patrick's Day parade. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and wear a kilt with no underwear underneath. Right, right. And he was like, um, all right. And I don't know. He he figured out how to get a hold of somebody. In, he didn't in, say no. In the pipe band. Uh, it was uh, Kansas City, St. Andrews, Pipes and Drums. Okay. And God, uh, I think they're are they still around. They're still around, yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, I started taking lessons. And, you know, this was, you know, 1981 or something like that. Wild. And I played... Uh, all through high school, competed, no kidding. Competed with the band, you know, in solos and group stuff. Um, and then when I went to college, took a break, and then I moved to Denver for a few years, uh, took a break, and then when I moved back, I started playing with the band again. And I quit playing with the band when my daughter was born in two thousand five. Sure. Okay, just because it's such a huge time commitment. Yeah. Um, so I haven't played the pipes in a long time, but I I missed it. Um, and so, yeah, I started, I started playing the drums. Cool. But have you ever like thrown down with somebody doing, uh, it's a long way to the top. If you want to rock and roll, we've actually, uh, you know, we, we've talked about doing that as a band, just throwing it in there. I'm like, I'm like, but, uh, I think our our singers are a little reluctant to try and, you know, sing Bon Scott, (laughs) Bon Bon Scott's RIP in peace. Yeah. He's got a pretty unique voice, but, uh, I mean, we could do our, so does Brian Johnson. Absolutely. Um, how about that? I just, I, it's, there's, I don't know why, uh, probably just because of the jam, but the simplicity of that video where they're just like, are you talking about on the trailer? Yeah. Like parade. Yes. Oh my God. It's so fun. (laughs) Uh, so bagpipes and drums and, and bands before this one. So I, so no, no bands. Okay. So I, you know, I was in the pipe band and that took all of my time. Right, right, right. And I really just did the, the drum thing growing up just to be a part of something at school. 
Sure. Uh, but then after my freshman year in high school, I quit. Cause, right, right. Because I thought the band director was a dick. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so first band at age 50? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, ab- absolutely. Fuck so, yeah, man. That's awesome. And uh, so, you know, fast forward a number of years, uh, you know, divorce and all that stuff. And, oh, really? And, and, okay. And my son uh, was turning 10. And I kind of had the same rule. I'm like, yeah. all right, well, let's 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 try an instrument. So for Christmas, this would have been, see, he's 19. So nine years ago, this Christmas, I bought him a drum set. I probably bought it more for me. Right. Uh, but, you know, I bought him this awesome drum set, and uh, he just took to it. You Did know? you snag it from Explorers? Or they? No, I bought it. I bought it on Craigslist. Okay. Um, uh, this old vintage Rogers kit because my my drum teacher growing up had a had a Rogers kit in his studio at the Tune Shop in Prairie Village. Um, Bill Schrader and uh, uh, Larry Crabtree guitar lessons for me at and, Tune Shop. Yep, and my kids in the basement down there. Yep, yeah, and my kids we go there now for Village Music Academy. Do they still have those rooms down there, dude. I, I've got a picture of the Tune Shop as you go down. The yeah. sign is still still there. Yeah. Guy. And it's, you know, there's a row of halls of rooms full of, you hear somebody just doing a shitty oboe pickle. I mean, it's <laughs> hilarious. Well, it, you know, and I probably would have put more time into it as a kid, but my, uh, my bagpipe teacher was, um, he was pretty intense. He wasn't quite the dude in whiplash, but he was, um, you know, he, he, he was pretty intense. Well, I mean, two different intense figures at a young age. Good for you for sticking with it. Well, I was really stubborn, uh, and I refused to let him win. Something in that Prairie Village water, I think. I, maybe. Brings um, out the stubbornness in us. Right. Or stupidity. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I just, I, I, I stuck with it, but. I, I still loved I still loved playing the drums, so I I got my son this kit, and uh, got him some lessons uh, over at Explorers, and um, you know when he was at his mom's house, or the drum set was at my house, and I would just I would noodle on it, and um, my my wife I'm, I'm remarried, and she was just really encouraging you know she's cool. like hey you know it sounds like you found a good one uh, she's fantastic good for you um, were you apprehensive about do- doing it again of course yes okay of course um but you know she's just a, just a great gal nice just very encouraging um and you know it was like hey you know i'm gonna get you some lessons would you like be interested in some lessons i'm like absolutely so she hooked me up with uh, a local musician drummer um, here in town who was teaching over at uh, uh, Brothers Music and Mission. Okay. Sam Hoskins. Okay. Um, and I took lessons from him for about a year, um, and then he moved on to some other stuff and and just was playing, you know, practicing an hour or two a day and just really loving it. And then she's like, "Well, you gotta take some lessons." I, uh, I've got a friend in New York who. Um, is taking lessons from this uh, professional jazz drummer in New York City, and he does online stuff. Uh, would you be interested in that? And I'm like, sure, yeah, that'd be great. You and had this no. Is all, this is all my wife's encouragement. Which nice, is, which is fantastic. But zero reservation about doing online lessons for you. No, well, I was like, how's that going to work? Yeah. But I've been studying now with him for about three years. Okay. Uh, and it's 
uh, his name is Jay Sawyer. He's fantastic. Nice. Um, and he, uh, I'm a deadline driven person. Um, and so if I, you know, if I have material that I need to work on and I've got a, you know, a lesson coming up or I've got a rehearsal coming up or, um, gig or whatever, you know, I, I, I'm this deadline driven person. So I like to prepare for it. Does dead, uh, are dead, does deadline driven, uh, can, that can exist without procrastination. Right. Cause I think I say that about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think there's a lot of that happening just for me. Are you, I'm somebody... a terrible, I'm a terrible procrastinator. Okay. Um, but there's I, something about kind of performing under pressure, right. It, it, to meet it, that deadline. Right. It, 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 it is. Um, and I think, um, I'm an architect by training, uh, from school. And so we, we architecture school is very all about these deadlines, sure. and, you know, all nighters in studio and all this other horse shit. So, um, <laughs> it, it, it taught me how to procrastinate, uh, you know, to a fault probably, but I always made my deadlines. Sure. You know? And, and so, um, I, it's unfortunately, in some respects that's carried over into life where I have a tendency to procrastinate yeah. a bit, but my, I know this is about musical journey. Um, this has just been, it's kind of been a rebirth of my musical journey. Awesome. Um, and you know, at 50 years old, there's, there's a part of me that's like, you know, what am I doing? You know, am I like, you know, just some middle-aged guy that's like trying to, you know, relive some, you know, youth dream of, you know, like when I'm sitting in my bedroom at 14 and, you know, listening to Rush and thinking I'm Neil Peart, you know, um, am I, you know, sort of holding on to some sort of nostalgia and, uh, it's actually, it's carried over into other aspects of life. Great. Um, and it's, it's been really exciting and now it's, you know, my, my, I keep moving the goalposts. It's like, okay, well, my goal is this. And then I achieve that. And I'm like, you know, who's to say, a, you know, a 50 year old guy can't start playing drums again at 40 and, and, and still be good at it. I mean, you know? I, I, dude, and, if you and I love the craft, right. Uh, the craft of drumming, like um, there's way more value in a rebirth, rediscovery, loving the craft, having an encouraging partner and forgetting about, you know, uh, like I wanted to play, I, I mean, I loved, I would sit in my room and, you know, listen to music plugged in with the liner. I mean, I, you know, and I, for whatever reason, uh, you know, leaned heavily in the guitar direction and that's mm-hmm. why I ended up buying one and from the tune shop and taking lessons there. And it was like, uh, you know, kind of a fit in sex appeal, like appreciate what these you know, masters are doing. And so I want to do it. And, but you know, there's something maybe even more valuable about stripping some of that stuff away and just being like, no, this just gives me joy. Like Mm -hmm. I love doing this. It's artistical expression, you know? Uh, so I think it's awesome. Yeah. I, I've always been one that I need a creative outlet. Yep. And I mean, professionally I'm able to be creative, which is nice, but, um, even just in, you know, I like working with my hands, whether it's building stuff or welding or carpentry or, you know, I mean, I just, I like doing stuff. Yeah. Well, um, uh, if, if we, if I remember, maybe if you remember, um, on our way out, 
the uh, gal that used to live across the street, she divorced two kids. Um, the youngest, I, I've been here for 10 years. The youngest is just now like 22, but she was for the longest time like our primary babysitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she finally moved, like, see, the older one kind of moved out when we were still somewhat new to the house. And then when she moved out, the the mom was like, I, this is way too much house. It's silly. So she did a purge and then sold the place. But when her purge started, she was like, she sent a message to a bunch of us and was like, come look at stuff if you want to see uh, before I like have a sale. Um, and then privately she messaged me. She's like, you should get this for your boy. And it was her son's old kit in the attic. Oh, right on. And I was like how much do you want for it? And she was like, I don't know, 150 bucks. I was like, I can't not buy that. Right. So I bought it. It's in the play playroom of above the garage and it, nobody, there's not a lot of time spent in that room, mm-hmm. but there's a drum kit up there mm-hmm. that's kind of clunkily put together. Mm-hmm. And you know, every once in a while, friends are over, people will get in. It's there if he ever, or she ever wants to, I mean, right. so I, I like having it. Um, but I've also like, you know, uh, after I bought a an imitation Strat from the tune shop, and then at one point I had an acoustic, and then at another point I had a bass. I got uh, two Technics turntables in a coffin out there that I bought like when I was engaged. I've never ever like assembled it, but I you know, <laughs> but I was like, I'm gonna get out there and you know, right. just whatever. I anyway. Um, before we move to your list, uh, you have impeccable penmanship um just really handsome handwriting so uh when you i was like wow that is beaten into me in architecture school probably really okay um so you gave me a 10 spot and i think maybe ranked them from I don't, I don't remember the list okay because this is i wrote that what a few months ago yeah yeah so i don't yeah even, i don't even remember but and my list probably changes. I mean, what I listen to of is course. sort of evolving. Of course. And the fun thing is, is you know, my um, my son who is a, a he's he's a jazz studies major at KU. Wow. Um, and he primarily drum set, but uh, he also plays bass. He plays piano, and guitar. He's he's, Dang. he's an amazing he's a virtuoso. And he's been a real inspiration to me. Cool. Uh, and and so we share music, and and he's he's a big jazz guy and he collects jazz vinyl i mean he's like a he's like a 50 year old or 60 year old and a 19 year old body uh, <laughs> uh, from a maturity standpoint. nice hey uh, it's it could be the other way you could still be hanging out at 12 and you're like dude right right get your shit together come on right that's I, cool. sometimes i feel like i have to give him money and be like you know this is not for drumsticks this is for you to go like have like some fun with your friends you know because uh, he's so he's so serious and focused but um you know he'll i'll he'll share with me like what he's listening to you know some you know uh you know british jazz oh, or, wow. or german jazz or uh you know some um just really interesting different that i never would have discovered otherwise okay you know, cool so it's pretty cool. Um, so this list, you know, it, it started at 10 and went, but, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know, cause I'm a, I'm stubborn or a nerd mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I usually go, if there's multiple records we're going to talk about, I usually just go chronologically. Okay. Um, which 
puts us in actually the first the top half of your list is like all kind of like giddy schoolboy mm-hmm. you know nerd mm-hmm. um and the first one i bought this um because uh for a good bit there was a chunk of people in that direction that had dogs that were just outside barking all the time <laughs> and so i bought this just on amazon and i was gonna like just open the window and not be visible and be like bring your fucking dogs inside and then, <laughs> you know duck and, and like the day that it came i feel like that stopped happening i was oh, like wow. oh anyway but so now i get to go this is the central scrutinizer <laughs> are you familiar uh-uh. that's uh the 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 common interlude thread from Joe's garage. Oh, okay. He, yeah. Yeah. Comes up, yeah. Yeah. But so 73 overnight sensation is mm-hmm. where we're starting. Mm-hmm. And I have been accused, uh, a time or two of gushing a little too much about Zappa. So you start us off, please. Well, I, you know, I discovered Zappa a little bit later. Um, I just, I love sort of, I, I think I, what I really appreciate about Zappa is the is the the technical and the musicality of you know I mean he's he's I think in a, you know he's an was an amazing musician um, but he surrounded himself with the best and took no it, 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 keep it clean well, keep you it together could, you couldn't you couldn't yeah i mean a lot of people would turn down zappa because they because they were on drugs yeah, you know? yeah. and zappa you you couldn't be in his band and be on anything nope. you know he uh he wrote about that stuff he wrote about all kinds of debauchery but you couldn't practice any of that in zappa's band um I'll, I'll, but they were tight they're so tight they're they're i mean they're they their their stuff is just really tight um and I think I, uh, um, yeah, I love all of that, that 70s. Are you familiar Zappa. with Joe's Garage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, the, and the storyline, right? Three acts, it starts with, off as the garage band, mm-hmm. they get signed, everybody's life's right. turned turn to shit because of music, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, being in your first, anyway. Uh, oh, so how specifically, Overnight Sensei, are you f- relatively familiar with this whole studio catalog or not i'm not that familiar with i mean he's got like 65 plus yeah studio albums or something like that uh i you know i think it's uh i think i picked overnight sensation just because um i like the funk in it um particularly in that in that one i in that album um and I love the the tongue in cheek of it, and I don't know. I think that album just flows. It it flows really well together. But so that that particular Zappa album is just jumps out at me. Okay, as is kind of my favorite. But you know, I've I've just listened to you know I'll grab an album and I'll listen to it and another one. But uh, you know, I haven't done a super deep okay of his entire catalog. But that that's one I go back to. Me either. And and when I. I've had some significant pockets where like I'm a student. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, the sixties stuff, uh, never really spoke to me. Uh, the 80, uh, 
I, I can't really say much about the 80s stuff because I've never really given it an honest chance. So where I go is the 70s, like all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it occurred to me in preparing for this, it, for whatever reason, uh, overnight sensation and apostrophe have always been paired in my mind. Mm-hmm. I feel like people bring them up together. Um, there, so overnight 73 and apostrophe apostrophe is 74. Uh, but I never realized that one's a mother of inventions album and one's a solo mm-hmm, Zappa. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, it's like, I actually, you know, if I was put on a game show and I had to identify which of the seventies records are mothers and which are not, I'd probably bomb. Um, and so, you know, overnights, uh, the ninth mother's release. And then the following year you get apostrophe, Right out, I mean, the dude, yeah. dude's just cranking out music for like decades. Yeah, thirty years. Yeah, um, <laughs> and there's so many great pieces about this record, but I don't. And I'm kind of if if I, if there's a record that I really enjoy, I'll obsess over most any detail. Mm-hmm. But one that I go to a lot is track sequence. You know, the order of the songs, and you know. Uh, Camarillo Brillo to start it off is so <laughs> I don't know how you put that first it's yeah. so fucking good uh-huh. how, how do you none of the tracks past right. it you know after it stand a chance right it's so sonically full and fun and fun- yeah. funky yeah um, I mean it, it, I said uh, if textbooks were audiophiles I'd expect this to start playing if you open to the page called full sonic spectrum ragtime jazz jams mm-hmm. I mean it's just amazing like the first time i heard that i was like i didn't know i didn't know what i was listening to really i was like i didn't know you could do that i don't even i definitely can't because you know put on a led zeppelin track i'm like there's the bass there's guitar there's the drums there's you know there's the keys well and yeah and then there's also i mean song you know song structure you know you've got uh you don't have your typical intro and you know, verse and chorus and outros. Nope. I mean, there's, uh, it's it's. He didn't follow any yeah. sort of rules. Like um, that. Is that a real poncho? I mean, is that a Mexican poncho or is that a Sears poncho? Right. Hmm. <laughs> no fooling. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the background, it's just like an explosion, like a right. volcano of sound. Right. Um, I, I did a little time with uh, the live in New York and guitar and all, all these sort of things. And there's a one of those records, I think it's the live in New York, has an Eye in the Slime where Don Pardo appears. You know, the game show voice guy. You know who that is? Um, God, he's like... Um, well, I probably know his voice. You, you, it, it's right? like so you have your game show host, and then the guy that's like, "All right, Cole," you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. that guy. Step but, right up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, great, cr- real crisp production on the on that mm-hmm. um, Dynamo Hum. Yeah. I mean, like that was college. I'm like, fuck. I thought I knew like a lot of things about sex, and I don't know if I know as much as I thought I did. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, that was an eye opener for sure. Um, forty dollar bill. <laughs> I got uh, um, a couple Christmases ago. Um, you know, if the, my kid's mom has a birthday and Christmas, like I'll take them and Mother's Day, and we'll get sure. something. That's what a good dad does, right? And so uh, she was in her second house, I think, um, 
and I got her, we got her like uh, one of these letter boards and I have, I ended up getting one for myself and it's just inside my front door. And if a song is really on the brain and there's a really great lyrical passage, I'll, I'll assemble that and like put it on Instagram, like a complete dork. But one of the first things that I put up there was, uh, you know, got a spot that gets me hot, but you ain't been to it. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, just such. And then what, you said you didn't know what you were listening to. Like by the time the record is about to close, you get Montana, mm-hmm. and I was like, I, I, I which figured, is, which is probably the most well. That's the most well known song on that album. Yes, but you know, I've I've made my way through, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I got it. And then Montana, and I'm like, I don't, I don't got it again. And you know, like I can I can pick up on all the structural uniqueness and the changes within the song and the weird vocal stuff mm-hmm. but him just he will not let this uh dental floss me- mental floss tycoon mm-hmm. thing i'm just you know my zircon encrusted tweezers i'm like <laughs> what is happening and my favorite passage is um uh what is it um and then I get a cup of coffee <laughs> and give my foot a push. Just me and the pygmy pony over by the dental floss bush. I'm like, <laughs> what? I mean. Yeah. It's, surely he was on something. But he wasn't. I know he wasn't. I've, I've read two, for two, possibly three biographies. And mm-hmm. it, there is zero evidence mm-hmm. to suggest I mean, he it just in one of them it comes up like they the whoever's writing the book with him, uh, and he's I I socially, you know, smoked marijuana a couple times, and mm-hmm. like that was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just Winston's man. Yeah. Like, uh, there's there a lot of YouTube rabbit holes you can go down interview wise with him. I don't know if you've done yourself that pleasure, but it is wonderful. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, of course, all the PMRC stuff with uh d snyder and john denver and at congress and um but i mean there, there a, a lot of before he's sick you know you can before we know he's sick you can tell that he's sick it, there's like a very clear he starts having like all kinds of throat stuff mm-hmm. and you know when the question finishes and it's his turn to talk you can tell um and one of my all-time favorites might even be with barbara walters and he's just heater after heater and she and he and now it's out he's got prostate cancer he's gonna die and she's like what are you doing it's like i'm and going he, down he's I'm... like uh i consider tobacco a food group and right now tobacco <laughs> is my favorite food group i'm like smoke them if you got you em. do you frank right um but um i guess um uh, ike and tina turner and the ikeettes were brought in to do some vocals and uh, I feel like anytime you turn around and like Ike Turner is a, a piece of information associated with whatever you're doing, it's not going to end well. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Actually. Yeah. And I guess there was, you know, so he comes in to decide whether or not Tina and the Ikeettes can do this thing that he's not even going to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And he gave some stuff a listen and was like, what is this shit? Was a, an actual quote. <laughs> I'm like, it's overnight sensation, dude. What are you talking about? Right. Right. It's amazing music. Um, but, uh, I mean, I could I could go all day about Zappa, um, but uh, seventy five Caress of Steel, um, and huge 
like hypocrite for many years about like greatest hits are garbage and you should never and always got to be the the studio album is how they put it together and right. put it out right yet chronicles is really you Was know that your introduction it, and really all i ever i mean i bought i have moving pictures of course mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i mean uh i i probably wore i think i wore out both. so we're talking about rush yes caress of steel rush 1975 yeah. um yeah i besides moving pictures chronicles was it so this was fun i mean i've done a couple um do you know brad buckner mm -mm. he's a drummer he uh 90 i think it's 92 east he he drums uh for with casey green okay and the tiki brawlers and they okay. gig down at the ship oh which yeah is josh mobley's yeah. place yeah uh he did an episode i he, used to live next door to josh's mom oh really my ex-wife still lives next door to josh's okay mom. He he had moving pictures mm -hmm. um, as one of his records, and uh, that is it. No real other Rush studio mm -hmm. stuff for me. So, mm -hmm. tell me about Rush for you. I on my list did I go? Did I go in chronological by year? Is that what? No, I, did? I, th I think you went ten. Oh, and then all the way down to one. And to me, meant like these are the order of okay. value. Okay. Um, I think for me, Rush was sort of, oh, that's my list. Rush for me was um, my introduction to really studying and listening to music, I think. Um, I was, you know, late elementary school and, um, you know, I think I, you know, I bought shout at the devil oh wow and, yeah and uh you know pyromania heck yeah um and had some of these records um and van halen 1984 best but album then, cover art ever oh yeah <laughs> little kid smoking yeah uh, my dad i think i think my parents were like what are you listening to <laughs> and in seventh grade um i somebody had uh given me a or borrowed a cassette or something like that of caress of steel is that how you say it i said it wrong yeah Car caress of steel caress, caress of steel. okay, okay. I've, I've heard it pronounced different ways um, it's like pert and peart right and i was like wow there's a whole storyline and and uh uh you know the musicianship and you know having you know it was playing the drums and so of course i was like you know i was really uh you know tuned into what neil was doing and you how know, could you not be big cascading toms and i was just i was completely blown away and from that point on i mean i just was you know i was i think uh, about that time is when rush came out with grace under pressure so that was like 1984 and you know i was just a sponge i you know i was going to music land you know like every week and buying another rush cassette or something like hell that. yeah and and just kind of just became a real student of their stuff and 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 really that's when i started really loving you know progressive rock sure and, uh you know and then you know like you know old genesis and oh wow yes and all of that yeah. kind of stuff and you know selling england by the pound and I, I just, I, I kind of just went down that whole progressive rock, cool. uh, uh, 
which was real popular with the ladies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons too? Right, right. They're like, uh, you know, it's like, we like The Cure. Right. And I love The Cure too, but I was like, you, you like Rush? You're weird. So Well, uh, so, you know, Chronicles is a two. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I knew... Tom Sawyer and Limelight and Working Man, all the things that you would get off the Fox or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot that I didn't know, which were, you know, big time treats, YYZ, La Via Strangiato, oh, and yeah. Bastille Day. I always, uh, the trees, I mean, I just got goosebumps thinking about that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I was really pleased to see that I didn't know that Bastille Day kicked off a, the, that rec- the, first, the record that, that it was, was on. That was the first song on that album, yeah. Getty's so crisp on mm-hmm. some of the parts of this. Um, but fascinating. Uh, and that was their third album. And and when they toured for that, they called it Down the Tubes Tour. Because they had their second album, Fly By Night, was, you know, their first and second album was, uh, you know, were, did well. Second, Fly By Night did well. You know, it produced Fly By Night. Yeah. And it got radio play. Nothing on Carous of Steel got radio play, and and the record company I don't think was very. I mean, pleased with five them. tracks, uh, four minute, three minute, four minute, and then they were not radio friendly. Twelve tracks. and I mean, a half. Carous Steel Day was maybe about maybe. the only one yeah. you could play on the radio. I mean, you know, you're not going to be playing the Necromancer on the radio. <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> nothing from that that's going to be on the radio. Right. Uh, and I like how they did it because the the ne- they they thought they were going to get dropped, and so the next album they said we're going to go down in flames, and they did twenty one twelve. Yeah, you know they said, hey, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down flaming. Right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, you know, Lavia they, they wanted to do Lavia's like a an eight part journey. Uh, yes, Lavia Strangiato. It's like eight chapters or something something like that. Um, but st- there, and if you look, um, you know, I feel like I-, I might be wrong about this, but I think that there's other parts of it on other records. Like there, this, the story is bigger than the song itself. Well, you, are you talking about hemispheres? So Maybe. La Villa Strangiato was, uh, was a, was a, um, uh, it was a, uh, uh, it was on the album hemispheres. Okay. So it was the last song on hemispheres. It was the it was a um, no vocals. It was all instrumental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but they had but there were they did have storylines that crossed. They had Cygnus X one and then Cygnus X two book two, Cygnus X one book one Cygnus X two book two. Which okay, bridged between Farewell to Kings and and Hemispheres. Talking which, rush knowledge on this guy, which was really cool because uh, Primus just the, their last tour they did a they did a on their tour they did uh, the whole album. Farewell to Kings from Seriously? front to back in order performed Farewell to Kings. Wow. It was kick ass. You saw? Yeah, I saw him in Burlington, Vermont, and I saw him at Grinders here in town. What were you doing in Burlington? Uh, my best friend lives in Burlington. Okay. So I flew up there and he picked me up at the airport and he goes, Guess what? And I'm like, What? And he's like, You didn't I know? Go, no. Oh he God. goes, I got to stick us to Primus tonight. So we went to Primus and got in. How many they performed? It was called uh, Tribute to Kings or something like that. Yeah, but how big was the venue? It was an outdoor venue. It was bigger than than Grinders. It was probably about the size of Sandstone. Okay, okay. What Uh, a treat. Oh, it was awesome. That's awesome. It was great. Um, But where I was going with this is these two, the 
tracks four and five that uh-huh. are 12 and a half and, and then 20 minutes, you know, I think there's some element of story, you know, and progression, not, you know, verse, verse, chorus. Yeah, the Fountain of Lamneth and, and uh, the Necromancer. Yep. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, you know, you got to admire the go down in flames, but also you got to admire, um, no, this is the way that we write songs and mm-hmm. we're going to record this and put it out there and, and you might not know it right now, but people are going to love the shit out of it. Right. It's really cool. It's, it's kind of, uh, unfortunate that more people are not plugged into what this band did and has done. Well, there was that, I don't know, that, that documentary that, I mean, there's been several documentaries done, but where I think it was Alex Lifeson was telling the story, like they were touring with Kiss when they released that record and he played it for Gene and Paul or something in the, in the tour bus on that tour. And they were so excited about their new album and you know, Paul Stanley just looks at him like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's our new they record, man. They didn't get it. Right. They, well, you know, I mean, Kiss didn't get it. Well, they're uh, Kiss, right, you know? Right, right. Uh, and I guess, you know, you look at uh, what Rush is and was and the fan numbers that kind of surrounded them versus Kiss, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of shows you... It's kind of a good barometer for where the average well, I IQ loved, is. I loved Kiss too. I know, I, but I think I loved Kiss because of the album covers. Yes, right, which is a different <laughs> love than you know. I was, you know, I'd look at that while I was watching Chips, you yeah. know, on TV. You know, so Ponch and John. All right. <laughs> um, one year ahead, 1976, Desire, Bob Dylan. I mean, uh, this. Talk about a discography. He's got he's got a good handful to choose from. And there's a lot of good ones in there. And uh, it was and that was a hard you know if I love Bob Dylan and and you know I it was hard for me to decide if I were to say okay you can only pick one Bob Dylan album it would be hard you know Blood on the Tracks yep. was was really close there for me. Uh, I love Infidels sure, um, but I think Desire. Uh, for me, um, that was my favorite. That's probably so my favorite. And and I like the um, oh, what was that the the movie the documentary uh, about that tour? Oh, okay. Um, when they were touring for that album, huh. um, the Rolling Thunder Review. Yep, yep. Um, just was really uh, just blew me away. I mean, these sort of discoveries, you know, I didn't know what I was listening to with Overnight Sensation, uh, figuring out how different of an animal Rush is. It's a whole lot of things, you know. Um, When I first heard uh, Hurricane, I was like, I mean, I know that every song tells a story, Mm -hmm. but he's... Telling, it's a very literal story. Yes. Yeah. About it. And I, that was I mean, really I was driving and I was like, yeah. I got to fucking pull over. Like this is, and then of course it's musically, mm-hmm. it's just amazing, mm-hmm. you know? And then somebody's like, no, that really, that's really, and, and, come on, mm-hmm. obviously. So, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, Camarillo Brillo kicking things off hurricane, mm-hmm. kick, like good luck to the rest of the songs right. following that right. amazing piece of music um and i think 
Bob's body of work in that time, you know, he, he was, uh, going through his divorce with Sarah, um, and a lot of those, you know, and he, I've always heard that he would always deny, he does not, he'd always deny that he wrote from a personal perspective, uh, which I think is bullshit. There's a Sarah on this album. Yes. That's her same. Absolutely. No H. Right. And, which, and which was his ex-wife or soon to be ex-wife at that, at that time. There's well, a lot I think of pain. It was his, already his ex-wife at that time. Cause I, I had heard a quote, um, from Jacob Dylan that when he listens to blood on the tracks, it's, he, it's like his, he recorded that while he was going through his divorce. And, and mm. Jacob said that it's like his, when he listens to that album, it's like his parents having a conversation. You know, so really you know, tangled up in blue. Okay, that tangled up in blue. I mean, if you know what he was going through at that point in time, it's like, well, of course he was. I mean, it's about the end of a relationship. But he, Bob's like, oh, that's I don't write from a personal. Uh huh. It's like whatever. There's pain, palpable pain right. in Sarah. Oh yes, to absolutely. Me. Um, I was on so newspaper staff at East mm-hmm. and then I went to Pitt State for a year and it's like this isn't for me. Moved to Colorado, took a year off end up Fort Lewis. Mm-hmm. I think my first week on campus I asked somebody to point out the newspaper office mm-hmm. and I went and I'm like still friends with some some of the people from that staff and um I mean we start so so two of them and I after college started a blog together and and it was fun. We were like making money and getting page you know I was like cutting them checks and we're selling shirts and uh, it was ba- it was just all uh, Chiefs Broncos mm-hmm. which you know for ten years we had a tradition where it was like they'd come out for the Broncos game and I'd go out you know and then other significant others get involved. No so, Broncos fans are tra- are traveling for any games at this point in time. Th- thankfully thankfully that's uh but uh so so that eventually it, it, the joy uh fell for from their perspective like we're all writing but i'm kind of managing it and i'm like okay here's what we're doing and i this, i mean it here's a deadline please and then so this sort of chore joy thing got tilted and they kind of so i i was trying to just write and keep the thing afloat so i did this uh uh, top 25 Dylan records project. Uh, there was 36 or, or 37 at the time. So, so not all of them made it. Right. And for good reason. Um, and uh, blood on the tracks was number one. Yeah. Uh, for this, I went, I was like, where I, f- I feel like I put desire in a funny place and I went back and I have it at 12 and I was like looking at 11 through two. And I was like, could have fit here, could have fit here. Could yeah. have fit. It's such a good record. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something like that just really, really, you know, talking about dogs upstairs and sort of this sadness, you know, with, with the knowing it's time to say goodbye or you're walking through that door and being like, dude, I'm getting all choked up. There's, I get choked up uh, 56 times start to finish blood on the tracks. I mean, Big girl now into Idiot Wind is maybe mm-hmm. the best, you know, three and four or four, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's just a slice of the record. Yeah. But and I, and I could have picked either of those two. And I think a year ago I probably would have put Blood on the Tracks. But within the last year, sure. I watched that Rolling Thunder review. Okay, uh, which uh, 
just watching his performances, you know, and he's doing the, he would come out and he had, you know, white, white face going on, uh, while he's performing, just, you know, he's, oh, he's, an he's, odd duck. Little, he's always an odd duck, yeah. you know, but, um, the, 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 the band that he assembled, um, uh, for that tour was just, just unbelievable yeah um so the performances they did and of course it was a i i had heard it was a, a loser in terms of because they were trying to play small venues it was a, what was a loser the tour financially i mean isn't that the thing with if you if you talk to somebody about bob dylan for 60 seconds mm-hmm. or 30 or 10 you know chances of somebody being like I saw him twice and he sucked and then he was amazing. Or right. somebody says, I hear mm-hmm. that you never know what you're going to get Forrest Gump box of chocolates. Right. So fucking whatever. Live Dylan right. is a roll of the dice. Right. But the studio stuff is sacred cow and don't, yeah. don't tip that yeah. motherfucker over. Right. Um, so I think for a while I was, you know, toying with the idea of wearing out my copy of desire only because, uh, I would listen to Hurricane Rewind, listen to Hurricane Rewind. And, you know, at some point down the road, I was like, oh, Isis might actually be a better song. Yeah. Like, and it is. I think that's my favorite song. Oh, album, it's so good. Um, you know, it's it, it's the story of Hurricane with the full sound of Camarillo Brillo. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and so many, uh, this, this one, I don't know. Uh, there's so much happening in that song, but the, my favorite passage has always been, she said, where you been? I said, no place special. She said, you look different. I said, well, I guess. She said, you, you've been gone. I said, that's only natural. She said, you're going to stay? I said, if you want me to, yes. And then the thing, this thing <laughs> right. just, expl- oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. One more cup of coffee into O's sister, into Joey is just mm-hmm. a beautiful, beautiful trio. Yeah, Joey's a tragic song, isn't it? It, it feels tragic. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't really tell you what's happening in it. Do you? Yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, Joey was a, a mobster, basically. Okay. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know if it's a true story or not. Um, probably is. Um, but he went to, you know, took the fall. I think for was you uh, know, for something and was a was a mobster and 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 uh, got out of prison and tried to, you know, kind of put that behind him. And he had grandkids now and that kind of thing. And you know, got, hmm. got shot down. Yeah, uh, I meant to mention when I pulled up Karis of Steel, I I, I double tick, you know, at this line that said, okay, for this record. Uh, now the band is what we would come to know the, them as, as in terms of lineup. These three dudes: Alex, Neil, and Getty. Mm-hmm. Um, but previously, but the line that made me double take was uh, it said that Neil had been the primary vocalist before that, and I I, I was like, what? No, I mean it's always been anyway. I, th- I that's somebody has got something on Wikipedia that has gone unnoticed. Yeah, no, he, um, to my knowledge, okay, he's never okay. done any vote. I mean, Alex would do some backup sure. vocals, but... Um, so for Desire and Blood on the track, you know, uh, there's, definite, there's definitely some fantastic female backing vocals. We get Emmylou Harris, and I feel like there was, like, uh, maybe it's only in my mind, uh, some controversy about some of those backing vocals going unlisted or uncredited. 
Um, Possibly. I'm trying to remember the name of the gal uh, in that band who was playing the, Ronnie. Uh, the violin. Yeah, oh. and I think she she did she did some backup vocals too uh-huh. on that. Um, at least at least I think in in live. Lots. So up to up to and through Coffee or Sister Joey, lot of strings that are just kind of like whoa whoa whoa. But you yeah, get that to, was all her. You get to Romance in Durango and you get a whole. You now you're getting some. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, is there a better? And oh, I guess at the time that uh, when she was performing with Rolling Thunder Review, um, she was dating Gene Simmons from Kiss. What? Yes. Really? And and so that, don't that, don't play him any I, Rush I records. I don't remember where I heard this. Well, and so she took Bob to a Kiss concert. This was around the time that they were doing this tour. Okay. And he was he was uh, really. Uh, intrigued by their makeup so that's why he would do that makeup oh, that weird. white face okay during interesting that. um but classic Bob. hot chili peppers in the blistering sun might mm-hmm. be the best opening lyrical line ever and mm-hmm. to have it i mean just feel like you're in spain or you oh, know yeah. somewhere uh, warm um such a good record though yeah um so speaking of uh prog rock uh and things that the ladies love synchronicity mm-hmm. 1983 um you know i didn't know the previous police stuff was what it was for a long time mm-hmm. like uh there's a a pocket on on this uh record where all b-side stuff uh every breath you take into king of pain into wrapped around mm-hmm. your feet like that's to me that was the police in fact, uh, Hot Tracks has got King of Pain. That was like my sister and I's go-to record. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff oh, yeah. on there. I had the KTEL records too. Okay, know, nice. Like... <laughs> um, but I didn't know until later that uh, they were um, so highly respected mm-hmm. on, a, on a musician level. Mm-hmm. Um, and But this is it. This is it. This is the end. It's the last one, and I guess maybe stings to blame for that um i i think sting and stewart copeland just they just yeah they, okay they they didn't see they didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things and i you know sting was his his star as a solo artist was certainly rising you know because he did dream of the blue turtles i think right after okay right after that um in 84 probably or mm-hmm. something like that um so, but yeah, I that that album I thought was the pinnacle of just maybe, uh, and it I don't know that the songs on that were necessarily, uh, they they were probably almost they were almost maybe in some ways simpler than some of their earlier stuff. I, I agree, but I mean, more they were more accessible, yeah. Um, but the production on that was, I mean, they're awesome songs and the production was really tight uh, on synchronicity I, on synchronicity okay. i thought it just you know um did it land in your lap just because of the timing of when it was released and where you were along your musical path or? i i listened to it you know when it came out i you know i was in sixth grade i mean you know it was more in passing um 
I didn't really start listening to it a lot, probably until I was in my twenties. Okay, and that's what, kind of when I'd go back and I started listening to. I mean, I listened to it some in high school too, but I think uh, when I was in my twenties, I went back and I started, you know, sure listening to Regatta interesting, de Blanc and yeah, you know, some of their yeah. er, their earlier stuff, and I was like, wow, this is this is really good, mm-hmm. and, then, um, and uh, you know, and then especially in the last. 10 years or so, you know, uh, I really admire Stuart Copeland's drumming. Absolutely. Um, and he's, he's a real inspiration for me. And so, so I go back now, I listen to it uh, a lot more yeah. critically and I'm like, wow, that's amazing what he's doing on yeah. this stuff. Um, few years down the road from that, uh, life's rich pageant, REM. Um, so I would say for me, besides Rush REM was probably the other biggest early influence, like high school. I I really uh, feel like you know there's there's very little age separation between us, mm-hmm. but the age separation that there is, like the folks that you know are much closer to your age than I am, you know, late wrapping up high school, late eighties ish, mm-hmm. early, mm-hmm. like. Big, big swath of uh, diehard REM folks yeah. hanging out in that. And it, it for whatever reason, it never really clicked for me. And I, I don't know why. I mean, they obviously have a ton of amazing tracks that were hits that, you know, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know, like... I think for me, it just, their stuff sounded so different. Yes. Um, and there was really nothing else like it. No. You know, I mean, no one knew... What the fuck Stipe was saying? <laughs> I mean, you know, it was like he was, it was, it was gibberish. But, but it, 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 he was using. I mean, the the lyrics weren't telling. I mean, they might have been telling a story to some extent, but I, it was, it was more, it, it was more just like another instrument, right? Yeah. Um, and so it was more about the sound of the word and where it was placed. I think, other than you know, than. He wasn't trying to tell something very literally. No. Um, and especially that early REM, you know, the jangle, uh, you know, Peter Buck's guitar and all of that. Yeah. Stuff. It just, it, it had that, the, the movement, uh, and the, and the tempo, um, of, of their stuff. I just, I just really, I really liked that faster tempo. Um, it just had a good energy, I thought. Well, you know, this is just a theory, but, you know, uh, sort of seeking something different, even if you don't, if you're not aware that that's what you're doing. Like, that was a weird time. Like, this, you know, you got this sort of oldies and then the 60s and rock kind of all these branches and into the 70s and you're getting like R&B and hip hop and uh, all these other things happening. And then you get to the 80s and it's like, what? what is everybody doing? Like it's all technologies. And so, but, but there's still this bands are amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, well, and it changed. I mean, I, I think for me, REM, I, you know, I got, it was, it was very different than the other things I was listening to. And I, you know, I discovered, I'm sure like a buddy and, or his buddy's older brother or something kind of introduced us to it. And, um, like with life's rich pageant, it was that was kind of when their stuff started becoming maybe a little bit more accessible. You know, they had like "Fall on Me," um, you know, which was kind of this environmental song about acid rain or you know whatever. Or uh, 
uh, Cuyahoga, mm-hmm. um, you know, the river burns or whatever that, that line is, but uh, the, the kind of this environmental consciousness, right. Um, which, which appealed to me, um, they kind of were standing for something and I thought that was pretty cool, uh, at that age. Yeah. Um, not to mention dropping out of college to be in a band and go on the road. Like that's pretty cool. Right. You know? Right. Their manager was driving around in this van and they had like a $2 a day per diem for food. It's like, that is Ballsy fellas. Well, and their 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 manager was Stuart <coughs> Copeland's brother. Oh, for My, real, Miles Copeland. Okay, fascinating. It was REM's nice. manager back then. Yeah. Huh. But they, uh, yeah, it just. It, but I think that music kind of also for me opened up. Like I really loved, you know, some of that '80s pop, like Eurasia and Depeche Mode and Cure, and I started really kind of listening to that stuff too. Really, okay, um, fascinating. So where I kind of, kind of shifted, and yeah. I appreciated all that yeah. stuff, you know. Um, I I really like. There's a sort of a spy surf rock feel and uh, underneath the bunker, but it's only a minute twenty five seconds. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. more of that. What you know, right? Um, I, I, uh, somebody, so this was their fourth record and they recorded it at John Mellencamp's studio, apparently. Um, and I'm drawing a blank right now on the, I think the record that came out before this one. The, the Long, album before this one yes. was, uh, it was either Fables of the Reconstruction that's what, that's it, that's or Reckoning. It. I think it was Fables of the Reconstruction. I think Reckoning was two. Uh, Murmur was one. Okay. Reckoning was two. Fables of the Reconstruction was three. This dude that did uh, episode 24 um, picked two Tool records. I, I, I would listen to Tool on the way here. A Metallica record mm-hmm. and Fables. And I was like, what? Oh, Fables is that. That's kind of. That's that's obscure. I mean, I, I like Fables. It's not my favorite. It's, it's, it's kind of dark. It. it it was it was personally and like I got a lot of respect for REM mm-hmm. and, and the fact that they, uh, you know, for me that was kind of like my uh, the first time I saw not that I'd had this word associated with but kind of fanboy mm-hmm. like oh, man there's every time I turn around there's like a group of people you know that are either writing REM on their three ring binder or talking <laughs> about trapper keeper yes exactly <laughs> uh, so I was curious to dig into fables and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think driver eights on that one, isn't it? My mom's place, and so what? What for? Whatever uh, it was up the street from the tune shop, um, and she had zoysia in her backyard, mm-hmm. and uh, it would destroy me allergy wise to cut the grass. And so what I would wind up doing typically is like, uh, it didn't occur to me at that age that like it would probably help considerably if I just showered after I cut the grass. <laughs> You know, but I just want to get back on the couch and watch TV or play Nintendo, whatever. Um, and so I would put like a cold washcloth to try and help the irritation in my eyes and it would never work. So I would end up having to take a Benadryl and it would knock me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And just, I remember, you know, sort of oh, just wanting relief and then all of a sudden feeling this sort of wave of drowsy and then I, you know, I'd be out for a nap that's how I felt trying to get through fables was like, I just got this Benadryl, you know, <laughs> trying to drag me down and I'm like just trying to stay. And so I was like, I wonder how this is going to be. And it was not 
quite as dark. Uh, you had some, you know, some nice little variations that I didn't find uh, with the other record. But I mean, there's something, man. Um, and then who who knew that you know you turned the corner from '86 and you're '91 and you're losing my all that that now they blew they, up. Yeah, you know, an automatic for the people. Yep. I think was their other. I mean document was great i mean green there but that that album was huge mm-hmm. that automatic for the people mm-hmm. well you get superman uh, to close this one which mm-hmm. you know i was familiar with right um you know not not a whole lot of radio play uh, until that time mm-hmm. but there's always a you know orange crush i feel like got you know superman got next some, album yeah um, or after document yeah so speaking of the early '90s, are you doing okay? Yeah. You need anything? I'm doing great. I figure we'll just plow through it. And, sure. Okay. Um, I personally might have to pee soon, so okay. we might have to take a break. But '93, uh, <clears throat> Siamese Dream, Smashing Pumpkins. Um, you know, the grunge was like whoa, uh, or Seattle set, whatever you want. The early '90s, a whole lot of new. You get Chili Peppers, Nirvana, Pearl, all of these different sort of mm-hmm. things, and and pumpkins were massive. I mean, maybe kind of a pan flash for a second, but you, they're definitely um, part of the fabric, you know, and never to be forgotten. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I started my freshman year of college in the fall of 1990 so you know music for mom and dad went to k-state but you were at k-state oh you did i I went to k-state okay and um you know music's kind of the the soundtrack of our life right but yes so you know i go off to school and you know i was still listening to the same stuff i was listening to high school uh but then i kind of befriended a um a guy who worked at the at the record store there in, in Aggieville. <clears throat> I don't remember the name of the record store now, but we would go in there and be like, you know, do you have any suggestions? <laughs> you know, I mean, just, I was ready, you know, college, ready for something new. Yep. And uh, he turned me on to a lot of, you know, interesting things like um, there was this... Uh, Skunk was the name of this band. Hmm. Uh, it was kind of, uh, I can't even really describe it, but um, just totally different than anything I'd been listening to. And um, Pearl Jam, I think, had just come out with 10. And I hadn't, you know, so I bought that and listened to that. And I was like, wow, you know, this is totally totally different yep. and then about that time um i had a buddy that had gone to see nirvana at the outhouse in lawrence what yeah and really yeah and not like bring uh, your own beer like yeah place? They, before there were a strip club oh okay before okay. they were i a, thought they had always been a strip no, club. okay they, they were a, uh, well i don't know if they did a, but they did live music there wow you know sonic youth played there damn uh nirvana played there and he saw them and, and came back, and, and uh, I think this was before Dave Grohl because they were touring for Bleach, I think. or Anyway. Um, Ble- he, Bleach got a little shout-out right? on your list. And then, right, nah. right, right. And uh, so 
you know that there was a lot of music happening at that at that time yeah. in those early 90s yep. so those early 90s and and uh and uh then i think he gave me or sold, had me buy a copy of gish which was smashing pumpkins first record and and uh i loved it dude i loved it i loved it and uh i think this was my yeah sophomore maybe maybe freshman or sophomore year i don't know it was early 91 gish is not an ep right no, it's a full. Okay. It's a full what, album. There's an EP it, that they write like rhinoceros or something. I, I'm drawing a blank, but yeah, I mean, I think with Gish, it it the whole that first part of the album really grabbed me, and then I kind of lost interest towards the end of the album. But is Drown on there? Drown, um, Drown's one of my favorite songs. No, Same. Drown, Drown was. Uh, I think they wrote that for. I think the only thing you can find that on is on the single Singles. soundtrack. Are you sure? I think so, unless it's on a compilation. But I don't think that was on any of their studio okay. albums. Not an EP. I. Yeah, I've, I've looked this up many times, and then I immediately but forget. I but I don't think it's on any of their studio okay. albums. Okay, but Gish. But Gish was great, and so Gish was my introduction. And then when they came out with Siamese Dream. I was like, wow, you know, sold, sold, <laughs> charge me twice, sold. And of course I love Jimmy Chamberlain's drumming on that. Uh, yes. Know, fantastic. Um, I, I, uh, I've never been able to get over today. I love today so much mm-hmm. that none of the other tracks, uh, I, I, I like a lot of the other tracks on this record, but it mm-hmm. is so far from, hits be damned. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so on that hill at the number one spot. And I think that a lot of it is because of the drumming. It's so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, before I started doing this, I was spending a lot of time watching reaction videos, which is not very productive. Mm-hmm. If you you've ever out- watched that charismatic voice. I love her. Have you seen her do uh, any rush? Yes. Uh, she has a great, when she does Tom Sawyer and she talks about how, uh, Getty like closes his teeth on where consonants end and he doesn't she almost I almost got choked up watching her reaction because she's so genuine and giddy she is and Um, she talks there's a part about where he's hitting the high notes and how he's doing he's doing it all exactly perfectly how you mm -hmm. should and how even his feet and there's a thing about the way your feet are on the floor which will support and I guess you can dig in even deeper and be barefoot and get, you know, but I love her. She still has not messaged me and said, I'd like to go out with you, but so I have, uh, that's too bad. Uh, my, my wife and I actually last night were watching a video that she did on tool. Okay. Um, I can't remember the name of the song. I can, I can't pronounce half of their songs. Um, anyway, uh, she was like just going on and on and on about Danny Carey, which, you know, I'm a huge Danny Carey fan. So, uh, anyway, Janice, my wife was like, you know, she, she has all the, she talks like she knows what she's doing and all this sort of stuff, but let's find a video of her actually singing. Have you ever looked her no. up singing? She sings, she's an opera singer and so her name's Elizabeth something or other. If you get on her, on her page and then you look at the about, you can get her name and then you, you Google her name singing. The first video comes up of her singing this opera performance. I mean, 
good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, opera isn't for everyone, and I'm not necessarily an opera, but I, I was She's like, got pipes. Holy smoke, she knows what she's doing. Okay, see, that's the thing. Uh, I, I probably, I've never suspected, but there's a lot of, I think, there's a lot of fakers out there. Sure. And the, like, like how, how have this many people, like, never seen Forrest Gump? Or it, what, it's, I, I think there's a lot of fake tears going around. Anyway, um, one of, I, uh, Brad and Lex, is this couple that's their I got their hats uh, uh-huh. you know what I mean they're, they're just really cute he is completely uh, all he can do is like lyrics and that's how he absorbs the story or whatever and she is all about the vibes and feeling she's really cute um, so when I was doing this I was like I feel like I've seen them do today and so I pull I pulled it back up and I don't think they were uh, wowed nearly as much as I think they should have been. Um, but uh, she has a great way of uh, kind of putting a synopsis or a summary on. Uh, and so she's talking about, you know, kind of this the softness of Bill. And then the, just mm-hmm. the pop of the drum and the, mm-hmm. the distortion or the gain or whatever in the guitar. And so she's like, it's like heavy, but it's not. And she's like, it's kind of like the rock. You know, like the rock is this big fucking guy, but he's like not scary. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that's right, perfect. Right. That's perfect. Right. <laughs> um fo- folks love uh I mean Cherub Rock. Such a great opener. Like mm-hmm. if you didn't <laughs> Yeah. Um a lot of folks love uh Mayonnaise. Um I mean there's a lot of really good tracks on this record. Mm-hmm. There's a couple that are not from like track two. I don't even remember the name of it. Whatever follows Cherub Rock, I'm, I'm always like, nope, you skip it. It's too much. But I also I know today's coming, you know. And so, so I had a buddy. Um, I have a buddy uh, whose older brother you probably know. Um, God damn it! What is his brother's name? His na- last name's Lee, um, Korean. Um, he ended up going to Stanford. My buddy's name is Ed, and uh, anyway, he had to have been like right in your, uh, you know, into Brian Lee and Crystal Lee. Anyway, uh, he twice has been like, "I'll do it," you know, and Siamese Dream is going to be the record, and both times he's like, "No, I don't want to do it." But I've prepped for it twice. You know, and so it, it was on the car, and my son was like, "What is this?" And he, he you know, they always are looking at uh, album title and artist name and song name, and he's like trying to figure. So, you know, we heard some today. We heard a handful of tracks, and then we pulled into the garage. Uh, we weren't we weren't out for very long, but enough to get three or four. And he's like, "I, I think I really like this record." And I was like, "He's nine. I'm mm-hmm. like fucking love you dude yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. so I was like that means we gotta that's go how I, that's how I burned music into my kids nice riding around the yeah. truck you know listening to dad's music yeah and pretty soon you know it just kind of clings on him yeah so I was like you know what I have like these sort of fleeting memories of thinking that this video the video for this tune was really cool i remember him like driving an ice cream truck we should go inside and watch it there's so much making out happening in the i was like i mean just every time he drives there's people making out and people making out and they eventually like kind of take over the ice cream truck it's like and, dad i don't like this <laughs> yeah we just, just kind of it's okay um but 
um, sticking right in there, uh, 93 to 93, August and everything after. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I haven't gone down the Counting Crows Road in a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did this one? Uh, I, well, um, I, in 94, um, I did a semester in, in Europe. Wow. Uh, in Italy, and then I traveled for... As part of, as, as a K-State student? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and then when school was done in, in, in April, I traveled for several months by myself, a lot of it by myself, uh, through July, um, so August to July. And I had a Walkman, uh, and I only had a couple of cassettes. To, to last you several months? Right. Right. Okay. And so, I had a little twelve spot case logic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still have it, but the, the, it's more than a couple. <clears throat> yeah, I just had a I just had a Walkman and I had a couple cassettes. Wow. And August and everything after. Oh was man. Okay, that's and, really tender. And so I just listened to it um, all the time, and uh, just yeah, I just just kind of I just love that album. I I, I think that this is a. Um, a really beautiful record. It's a great record. Um, I think uh, the um, the amount of the frequency with which we were fed Mr. Jones soured it a little bit. Like, yeah, Murder t- of One is, I think, the best out, best song on that album. Murder of One. It's the last song. Okay, on the okay. Album. Well, you get deep in there and you start mm-hmm. getting stuff like Sullivan Street and yeah. Time and Time Again. I mean, there's so many great tracks on right. this. Um, and that, the whole Mr. Jones thing um, is weird because that wouldn't, to me, that wouldn't be the biggest violation of counting. What would be later would be the paved paradise to put up a parking lot mm-hmm. and just kind of being like, I don't like that at all, but I liked because mm-hmm. this to me is I like think it's how it's how it's packaged and assembled and and, and the order and yes it's done uh, but um, also it sort of feels like a kin there's like a kinship to like the samples and big head todd and the monster and there's something about mm-hmm. that particular vein of the earth a lot of samples right mm-hmm. and this made me want to listen to the same i mean mm-hmm. there's a lot of really good really good stuff happening on here um perfect blue buildings uh very very crafty track mm-hmm. uh I, I remember i don't know why but uh, i mean i fell in love with time and time again immediately and then revisiting and re- the baseline has always it's very simple baseline but it is all it's very uh accessible in this song well and that album gets it gets a little bit sadder and darker as it moves through it but, does. The, but the last song murder okay. one okay it it totally it it flips it around. Interesting. Uh, in terms of, in terms, of, it's it's a it's a much more. It's not a happy song, but it's right. But it's it's but it's an uplifting. It, it has more of an up tempo to it. Um, it's just a great way, I think, to close out the close out that album. I am gonna pee real quick. Yeah, and then we'll. Do you need any kind of beverage? All right. So as we make our way through the '90s, we begin to dabble in some stuff that I've. You know, never, I just never either didn't know or never mm-hmm. sat down with. And uh, The Color and the Shape, 1997 Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I 
feel like before we even begin that we should just give props to Dave Grohl for being a, what appears to be a super cool human and kind of being a, a, a guy that stands up for things and also has just positive energy carried the music baton for a long time and you know mm-hmm. anyway uh, tell me about your introduction to them uh i had a well i had a co-worker you know I can was you a, hand me that liquid death that i stupidly set behind oh, yeah. instead of putting it by my there you go thanks co-worker yeah i'd uh i had just uh after i graduated i just moved to denver um and uh i had a a co-worker who she was like, oh, I know she knew I, I liked Nirvana and all that. And she was like, oh, you know, have you heard Dave Grohl's new band? And I was like, no, I didn't know. And so she, uh, you know, gave me a copy of her um, or gave me her CD to borrow the first album or whatever. And I listened to it and I was like, oh, you know, it's pretty good. And, but I, you know, listened to it more and more. I was like, oh, this is really good. And uh, then just kind of started following his career. You know, this was 1995. So you'd like Spin and Rolling Stone or MTV, whatever you can. Yeah, and I, you know, yeah, I would just, and, and I subscribed to Rolling Stone for years back sure. then. And yep. so, and and so, you know, but I, I hadn't listened to it. And so I was like, oh, you so know. So many is, iconic covers in cool. the 90s, that yeah. magazine. Yeah, and I was like. Just intrigued by the whole, you know, moving from behind the drum kit to leading a band. I thought that was that was pretty cool, you know, where, you know, he could have gone gone the easy route and, you know, just been a been another, you know, drummer in another band. And he's like, no, but super, super good for him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, fuck yeah, man. Get get out there and do it. And just always look like he was having fun. And, you know, uh you know, Nirvana was always, uh, you know, it was kind of always this morose, you know, mm-hmm. just really good kind word, of dark and sullen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, angry. And then you got, you know, you got happy Dave back there, you know, right. You didn't really know he was that happy, but he's just a positive guy. Yeah. And, and you could, you could immediately tell that on, you remember that, uh, the video for, um, uh, that, that, the popular song on their first record on Free Fighters, uh, yeah. Big Me, yes, uh, the Mentos ad, yeah. and, and, and you're like, and you're like, okay, the guy's got a sense of humor, right? And then you know, uh, like all their all their videos were always kind of just he never took himself that seriously, and right? I, that that appealed to me, um, and I liked his music, yeah, um, and I didn't like everything that they did, but I liked damn near everything, sure. That they, and uh anyway just i think also for me uh you know dave's only a couple of years older than i am right so uh i admire him um as an as a uh, musician as a dad who you know juggles things you know i'll uh um, you know, he's got, you know, he, he's constantly posting stuff about, you know, doing, and his daughter's now a music, you know, I mean, he, he just, he just seems like a guy who's got his shit together, you know, and is, for and sure. Is, and looks like he's having fun. And, and, and that, that's not a uh, pan flash. It's, it's, he's seemed that oh, way for de- decades. Yeah. I mean, to, the, 
Nirvana, the, the drummer, happy drummer in the back of Nirvana to this, to, you know, uh, trolling the Westboro Baptists. Oh, and then recently, uh, did you see that, the, 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 the concerts that he did you know the in wembley and la for taylor that's what well holy smokes i saw the one where he brings his son up right taylor's son yes and they play they take my hero hero, which is on this record right yes and fucking bald dude like i was hesitant to bring it up it's like i might i haven't cried on an episode yet but i might cry like tear up i mean his son just absolutely and he, I, I, I went back and I watched that several different times, and I watched his son playing my hero, and he was playing like his life depended. One thousand percent, and he he crushed it. He totally Just crushed absolutely. it. Absolutely. And then, um, there, uh, one of the other drummers there, Omar. Um, there, there was a shot where the camera is sitting back behind Omar because Omar had just played the song before and he is Omar's kind of leaning in and watching and I'm drawing a blank on uh Taylor's son's name, right um watching him play my hero and he is just leaning in and you can just see he's in shadow but you can just see he's just watching this kid play it's almost like he's playing for his life yeah yeah um, I mean, you could ab- tell he was playing for his dad, and that yeah. was really. Cool. And can you imagine playing in front of that many people? No, I can't imagine playing in front of like ten people. It's, I mean, to get up there and play in front of and to kill it, Wembley Stadium. <laughs> it's like one of the most iconic and, venues and, in history. And my hero is, I mean, the 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 bass drum, the bass drum on that is driving. Yeah, it's it drives the song. Yes, and you cannot. I mean, it's it's that's not an easy song to play, and he just absolutely just bashed it. Yeah, well, awesome. And Dave just he kept looking back, and Dave's looking at him, and just you could tell just so fucking proud. Oh my god, awesome. So episode fourteen, the GM of Up Down like drink uh-huh. beer and play video uh-huh. he 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 did an episode and at the very beginning uh who i don't remember who was the first person this deceased person but he said r.i.p in peace which made me giggle he's he's a very funny dude and so i always say r.i.p in peace when mm-hmm. somebody who's passed on comes up but like like no jokes whatsoever r.i.p to taylor and to grant wall um, who we, we talked about briefly upstairs, but yeah. like, I mean, is that, is this a weird deal or are we, did he, he was sick and it was totally fine or. Well, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it, what I was reading about it, it kind of sounds like the, the circumstances around his death are unknown. I mean, he had bronchitis. He said, "Right, right." Tested I mean, negative well, he, for COVID. He, he had, he had, he had an illness. From what I've read, he had an illness, but there was some controversy because he had shown up wearing a rain, you know, he got detained, t-shirt, and all of that. And so you kind of, you know, you wonder. And and there's a- Ubered to the hospital. He was Ubered to the hospital. 
Like there's no like an ambulance system doesn't happen over. I, 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 I wasn't. I'm not sure. I don't know if he passed away at at the stadium. I think. Or, I think. I think he they, ultimately died at the hospital. I said he, did he? Uh, but I mean, his brother put up a video clip. I didn't see. I'm that. gay, and I'm, right. and he's the reason. I'm the reason he was wearing the rainbow. And he, mm. he was. I feel like he was killed. I mean, he's and he's very emotional, and it's right. understandably so. But. So the circumstances around it, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of questions. Um, Will we get answers? Right. Is anyway. Uh, but back to Dave and Foo Fighters. Um, I mean, my poor brain, which is a great mm-hmm. title for a song, but there's some fascinating transition stuff happening mm-hmm. in there. Um, my hero is just so good, uh, and of, of course, Everlong is mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I don't show me a person that doesn't love that song for one reason or another, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll show you a liar. Like right, a lot, a lot of good stuff happening in this record. And and did what have they studio wise? Did they continue to put stuff out after this one? Do you the know Foo Fighters? Yeah. Oh yeah, they've yeah, done a bunch. A, oh, they've okay. done a lot of albums. So that this was that was this album's pretty early on. Number two, right? Uh, yeah, I think this one, I think this one was number two. I think the first one said that it was like mostly just Grohl. It, doing well, it. he, Dave did every instrument in oh, that. Okay, he that's what it he is. He didn't form a band until he was touring for the first album. Okay, okay. So he released that, uh, and then formed a band and then did Color in the Shape. What the interesting, but I think Dave did perform a lot of the drums on that because, the the drummer that they had uh dave i i don't think was was ha- very happy with the oh. results so he well i mean okay i'm gonna go you know drum for dave girl's band yeah. good luck yeah yeah are like, you that's that that seems like an uphill. i am too that seems like a, that seems like an uphill battle yeah um but uh no i think that dave ended up re-recording all of that but it was after that album i think is when taylor joined hawkins right right yeah i joined the band uh after that and i think it appeared i mean i don't i've never met met either of them but it appeared they had this genuine friendship cool that, uh that was pretty cool well we we move into the 2000s after this and this is where i never even heard of these guys mm-hmm. uh but porcupine tree mm-hmm. puts out a record in 2002 called in in absentia mm-hmm. in absentia i don't know what absentia absentia what I okay that's what I said. english band formed in 87 11 records across 20 years and this one is a mammoth 12 tracks 68 plus minutes so what did you think about it i thought it it, it fits you know if you're like a square peg square hole it, it there's a, a spot this is a a genre that um, if you ran a music store, uh, you wouldn't have a, a placard to say this is where country starts, and with the, it would just be in this right. ethereal kind of compilation. But it's cool stuff. I mean, it would take um, you know, I've had one person give me a list of sixteen. Somebody gave me a list of ten, but I I cherry picked from it because a lot of them were records that uh somebody had chosen as one of two or so a lot of time spent on you know um so but it's it's fun to have a list like this but it also means that we got to condense the amount of time we spend on each record right, right. otherwise 
you'll be here till dinner time. Right. Um, and so it definitely deserves uh, an isolated visit for me. But on a surface scan, I think it's cool stuff. Uh, it's kind of one of those not going to be for everybody kind of deals. But tell me how you got introduced to them. Um, well, I had, I mean, they've been, obviously they've been around a long time and I had heard of them, but I hadn't really listened to them that much. But my, my son, um, was listening to them. And at, at the time we shared a Spotify account okay. where we had the same login. So I could tell what he was listening to and, and he vice could tell versa, what I would yeah. listen to. That's pretty cool. And so we, that's how we shared a lot of music. And so I would, and, and, uh, you know, I, uh, admire his his taste in music and so I'd be like oh he's been listening to this and I'd listen to it you know and I'd be like hey that's pretty cool um, I, I think for me it's more about it's more about the musician musicianship in the band um, when I was just at, just I mean the the drumming in it is unbelievable when I was at Pitt State uh, I was um, second I was 201 so second floor of my dorm and you know come up the stairwell and come into the hall in the first room mm -hmm. and two doors down was this uh virtuoso like insane drummer mm -hmm. i mean if he's not still gigging today i would be really like just a gift mm -hmm. um and he you know and he had he was the first person that i was like you are like he really really invested himself in the mullet I mean, like down to, <laughs> like it probably went into his pants, uh -huh. but all short. Uh -huh. And I mean, just lightning. And like, I, I was like, I don't even, I shouldn't sit here in the room and observe because somebody more knowledgeable of, of this instrument mm -hmm. and its craft should be here witnessing this. Mm -hmm. But he, you know, and I was uh, like long haired, tie dye, dead fit. A lot of people from Western Kansas were like, like you know, the never they showed is that where up. You're from Western Kansas. What is that where you're from? No, no but, you grew up here. But I'm in the dorms at Pittsburgh State, oh, and yeah, a lot of people right. from Western Kansas that yeah. showed up, and I like don't think they've ever drank, smoked, maybe not had sex. You know, right. so I'm you know, and like week one, I have six dudes and dube tube. We get busted, <laughs> just you know, passing like six joints around and uh -huh. just hoping that that and you know uh, you know but they're like you know so yeah uh but he he was he wanted to like connect big time because he knew i mean i brought all my tapes you know at that time i probably had three or four uh hundred wooden you know um and he was just he he, he wanted me to be as invested in two things as he was in, invested in one was hypnotism and he tried to hypnotize me a couple times, like it's not working, dude. And the other was dream theater. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, dude, I get it, I, but I don't. I'm not gonna. It's never gonna be. Oh shit! He must have had a big drum kit. He, He's into dream theater, dude. <laughs> um, but I mean, anyway, uh, that's where I was like, there's, you know, I can totally. Uh, up until that time, if I didn't like whatever the music, it's garbage, it's trash, get out of here. Just very close-minded. And that was kind of like, oh, these guys, there's a lot that's respectable happening. It's not for me. 
but mm-hmm. holy smokes, can these guys mm-hmm. write a song? Uh, so sort of that sort of same feel, like this is not, you know, uh, if you want to really appreciate it, I'm not going to like throw it's, it on in the car and it's go. It's progressive. To, yeah, I mean, it's yes. it's it it's just a it's a it's a more recent take on a lot of the progressive rock. I think so. The girls don't like it. I mean, they don't. But you know, there's uh, genre jumping mm-hmm. from song to song, and within which is like, you know, go go all the way back to Zappa and some of the signatures and. I mean, it's it's like the dude that I uh, ended up living with for most of college in Durango is from Philly, um, and he kind of he had. Um, like he he would always see me air, you know, drum or DJ whatever, and he'd be like, "That's not." There's a little bit of this, but a lot of it's happening with the mixer, you know. And he would see, he's like, "That's not how you drum." And so he was the one that uh, he's like, "Try this," um, and uh, tried to get me to like, uh, I guess, dip my toes in the polyrhythm. And I was like, "Oh." No, like chew gum and walk and or rub and mm-hmm. I can't do those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I will never be able to play the drums, mm-hmm. uh, which is not true, but very much feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff happening in here that like I need headphones and pencil and paper and and to give it what it deserves. I mean, right. it's, that's really cool. Well, how come you guys don't uh, share a Spotify account anymore? Uh, I think he got tired of uh, me booting him off because I was listening oh. to it, you know. And I'm like, well, you know, Dad pays for it. That's right. So, That's right. You know. Yeah. Uh, and he needs it, so yeah. He's, sure. He's got his own now. Cool. Which I do miss it actually sharing. I mean, it's I, pr- pretty sweet. Yeah. I, um, so 19 and 16, and, and divorced for how long? Uh, uh, been divorced about. I guess oh, 11 say, years, okay. 11 years. Um, and how was it for them? You know, they were pretty young. Um, uh, you know, so five um, and they were, eight. yeah, they were, they were five and seven. Okay. Um, that's right. But same kind of wheelhouse. But I, but I think, you know, we were separated even before that. Sure. So, I mean, they were, they were probably four and six when, same. So I don't think my daughter even really remembers me living at the house. Oh, okay. Um, My son does. Okay. Um, but you know, they were, they were pretty little, they were pretty little. Um, you know, they did, they did all right with it for the most part. I think, you know, they ups and downs like all like all kids. And and how did things go with you and mom across the, you know, or even up to today, are things okay or? Uh, things started out fine. Um, okay. I, you know, pretty amicable for the most part. Um, I think as, as the years of, I don't know how much detail we're going to get. I mean, as, as much as, as, or as little as you. As, as the years have rolled on, I think it's, it's, it's been, uh, less friendly just as a year but i don't i don't really have to deal with her much anymore i mean my daughter's right a, my youngest is a senior in high school right um i i there's really nothing i have to clear with her at no this point. you know did you, all my communication is through them so sure did you guys have a, an equal split time-wise or um well i mean it was a it was it, it was 50 50 on paper um, ah. but 
you know, I live out west, close to Shawnee Mission Park, um, and and she still she still lives, you know, close to east. Okay. And so they they go to east or went to, or sure. went to east. So it's tough. They, you it's know, a haul. They, they yeah, they'd come back, and there was a lot of driving around. Yeah. And and uh, so it wasn't a fifty fifty time thing, um, but I would say the time that I did get with them, you know, which was a couple of times a week or whatever. It was quality, not necessarily quantity. Good, um, which good. Is, which was nice. Well, I lo- absolutely love this notion of you guys sharing music, whether it's through Spotify or text or however. I mean, uh, is 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 she musically minded? Their mom? Well, uh, no. Okay, so that no. that's not a thing that he has with her no, per se. No, there's no music with her. Um, now, my daughter, um, she. She and I like to talk about music. I, I think um, she's a dancer. Nice. Um, and so she's done competitive dance, and you know, uh, yeah, which is a very expensive endeavor. Uh-huh. But, um, and she wants to dance in college. So oh, she, wow. she's very talented, uh, not musically, just uh, with dance, so, but she's got a very creative outlet that I'm very proud of her about. Um, but I, I, we talk about music mainly because... I, I do find that sometimes I'm like, okay, sometimes I try and force myself <laughs> to listen to something more current or, you know, because if you think about it, right, you know, if if we were in high school and my parents were like, oh, you know, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, it'd be like my, our parents saying, Bill Haley and the Comets is the greatest ever. Well, you know, because that was what was out 30 years before we were in high school. Yeah. So if I'm still holding on to, oh, you know, so-and-so Rush was the best, you know, 30 years ago, you know, my kids aren't going to relate to that necessarily. Now my son, of course, you know. Maybe maybe one day. And my daughter actually does love Rush. And she does love Foo Fighters because it was forced upon her. (laughs) Um, But... Small victory. But she like, you know, I mean, you know, she likes... Panic at the Disco okay. and the Killers and you know they you know so I you know I've I've uh, branched you know kind of have reached out and, yeah and, and listen I mean to, I'm try and listen to more current stuff sure I'm I I, I and I love the Killers um, ta- I like Taylor Swift I love Taylor Swift I, too. I've gotten about this far into there's so much about her let alone you know and then of course all the music that she's made. Wasn't there this thing about Motley Crue? Somebody from Motley Crue was just bashing on her or something. I, I don't think know. I read about that. And I'm like, Why? Well, first of all, I'd be like, if I were her, I'd be like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I love Motley Crue, but I, she has what? The entire, she owned the entire top 10 recently? I, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, something like that. Um, it's like, Go, good for you. I yeah. mean, that's anyway, amazing. But like, there's a lot of things like that. She's an, that, ama- she's an amazing artist. She is. Um, and uh, did you have you ever seen the? Um, I've I've always suspected that it's real, but I'll call it a meme because I'm not sure. But it's a picture of like '87 Axel, and a like it's a I don't know if it's a tweet or whatever. But then a girl is like, God, what I wouldn't give. And then today, Axel yeah. replies, and he's like, "Hey," and she's like, "Beat it." And he's like, "No, I'm actually that guy." 
<laughs> so wow. funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when I was a freshman in high school, all those girls loved Axel. Yeah. Rose. Yeah. Of course. But this, uh, you know, this porcupine tree stuff is is pretty wild, uh, and and definitely deserves. Yeah, and I think from uh, Gavin Harrison is the uh, drummer on that. He's just a, a fantastic drummer. Nice. Um, so that's probably been, I you know I tried to give a range on this list. Of, yeah. Of you of, did of things that um, that I I find myself going back to. Sure. Uh, but so, it could have been five times as long. I mean, well, maybe you'll have to give me another 10 and come do another episode someday. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, so we close it, though, with 2007 Sky Blue Sky Wilco. And I saw this and I was like, fuck. Another Wilco album. Uh, for a band that, you know, like, there at one point there was enough hype that I was like, okay, I got to. I got to become the best. And then I was like, no, it's just not, it's not working. It's not working. And, and since I started this, I've revisited a mm-hmm. couple records that didn't click for me mm-hmm. back in like Oh four. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I like them a lot more now. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. And I put this on completely different. I was like, well, what's really great about Wilco is, uh, my introduction to Wilco was, um, Oh god, what album was it? Um, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. No. Summer Teeth. No. A.M. Go, uh, Ghost uh, is born. Ghost is born. Okay. And I didn't get it. I didn't get it. It was a coworker. I was working in an architecture firm in Westport, and we were listening to it uh, in the office, working late one night. And I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. And then I listened to A.M. Mm-hmm. And I got AM. I loved AM. And I go back and I listen to AM. And then um, it went in 2007. Um, a buddy left, I think, a copy of um, of Sky Blue Sky in my car uh, and my CD player. And I listened to it. And I loved it. Dude, it's really good. And I loved it. And that's the great thing about Wilco is... It's like the weather around here. If you don't like what's happening now, or Colorado, just, just wait till the next one. Yeah, yeah. You know because they're all of their albums are very different. Um, well, so this is six of twelve for them, and um, uh, AM being their summer teeth, Yankee Ghost is born are are the ones that mm-hmm. came before that. Yeah. And those, are, I feel like those nobody's I've nobody's ever actually said this, but I've always felt like. That pocket of albums is what the diehards point to as sort of the cornerstone and the foundation to their fandom, mm-hmm. and obviously it's the beginning. So, but this, I don't. I mean, opening track either way, like bar none, the best opening track on a record for them of the records that I've listened to, mm-hmm. and it's not even close. And I was like, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, you are my face. Track number two, impressive, swanky, soulful, cool. It's not like any vocal I've ever heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, impossible Germany, unlikely Japan. Impossible Germany's. I mean, that's my favorite song on that album. Just Nels Klein's guitar solo in that is just unbelievable. unbelievable so there's a, a review, uh, a, a former 
magazine, music review magazine called Blender, which I had never mm-hmm. heard of. Mm-hmm. Three out of five star, three and a half out of five stars uh, for the record. What that's whatever. What I loved was the quote. It often feels like American Beauty if Jerry Garcia had taken Paxil instead of acid. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't right. know if that's right, but I absolutely love that quote. Uh-huh, that's uh-huh, good shit. Uh-huh. Uh, title track is track four. Lovely. It's, I mean, uh, side with the seeds, completely wild. Um, funk and uh, shake it off. Mm-hmm. Um, hate it here. Just pure joy. And, and like, I kept getting like Van Moore. Is Van Morrison in the room? Like, what's you know? Yeah, hate it here. Uh... And that hit me later. I, you know, I was went back, and I think I just recently was going through a divorce, and and that whole hated here, and that was that was, it was a hard song for me to listen to there for a while. Okay, uh, I meant to ask Janice mm-hmm. uh, with the kids. Is that all mm-hmm. groovy? Okay, cool. Uh, what light roots of folk rock and sort of the, to me kicking open the door for like Mumford and Sons to yeah, sort of what be? light's great song. Just a great record, man. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fun. Like I'll put this one on mm-hmm. again happily. Uh, the rest of them, who, who knows? Um, but a uh, couple, couple more for you, and we'll wrap yeah. and get out of here. And hopefully, the Chiefs show up today and don't so. lose to a absolute garbage uh, team. But um, so, if you could change one thing about the world. Right now, what would it be and why? If I could change one thing about the world mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like 10 years after, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I know what it would be. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think about how to, uh, how to, how to describe it or explain it. Um, the tribalism and the decisiveness in the world and society today is just absolutely nauseating to me. I, I think I follow you with tribalism. Can you tell me a little bit more about decisiveness? The, uh, or I'm sorry, divisiveness. Divi- okay, Not okay. Divis- absolutely. Divisiveness. Yes. Um, the, the, the tribalism, the, the, the divisive, divisiveness. I, I, you know, um, my my folks, I, I I felt like growing up, I was probably, and I know this isn't a political podcast, That's, but it's totally fine. Uh, my, I I felt like I was I grew up in the only Democratic house in Johnson County at the time. Interesting. I, I, one of my earliest memories uh, is was the nineteen eighty Reagan Carter election, and we had the mock election at school, and we got to go into the voting booth and all of that, you know. Where, where was grade school for you? I went to Somerset Elementary. Okay, I did. I did too for one year. You did, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then it was like coming, you know, or we're done, and everyone's like, "Oh, who'd you vote for?" And I'm like, "I voted for Jimmy Carter." And they're like, "You voted for Carter?" By the way, turns out to be one of the greatest human beings of oh, our lifetime. Yeah, what a great side guy. note, right? But. But you know, every uh, everyone was voting for who their parents were voting yeah. for, right? I voted for Carter, and everyone was like, "You voted for Carter," and I was like, "What's wrong with Jimmy yeah. Carter?" You know, I mean, <laughs> you I don't like know. peanuts. I was a little kid, I was nine. Yeah, you know, um, and uh, you know, so 
I, I think about like, you know, I know my, my parents, um, you know, the things that they, you know, they're, they're a product of the sixties and, and, uh, you know, very, they're ERA and all of these things. And I just, it feels like we're just like, as a society, just, we're almost kind of going backwards. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, I, I know they're disappointed. I, I can tell they're even, you know, they're disappointed. It's like, well, you know, it's like, it's like, we're, who is my parents about just we're society, like regressing about as they should be. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it sounds to me like you have a couple of decent human beings for parents. Oh, they're great. And, and so I, I think it's just, it's just very disappointing, you know? So has it always been there or is it just visible now? The well, tribalism and divisiveness. I think it's. I think it's always been there, but like somebody blew on the coals uh, of the fire. Yeah, yeah, I won't, yeah. Um, and I think the uh, what was it during the McCarthy hearings? And who was it said? You know, sir, have you no decency? And that was the turning moment in the McCarthy hearings, right? Uh, you know. Um, when finally they were, you know, all of this, you know, you're a communist and you're a con, all of that stopped. And, you know, the better good sort of kind of took over. Is there some air quotes there? The better good? Right. Yeah, right. But I mean, I, it, but it really just kind of went just more below the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it really, you know... um, and it's too bad, you know, I, I've never let politics get in the way of my friendships. Um, and my parents didn't either. I mean, you know, I mean, if you're going to have, if you're going to live in Johnson County most of your life, uh, and you, you know, you want to have friends, you're going to have some Republican friends, right? I mean, so, you know, they've always agreed to disagree, you know, hey, it's, let's have a conversation about it. And at the end of the day, we still all love each other and we're still friends and we're all still Americans. I don't know what's going on now. You know, it's very frightening. I think, I, I think, I feel like I've lost some friends through this. For sure. I think if you say you do know what's going on, that is also frightening. Because mm -hmm. I, I mean, I look around, obviously we have our day-to-day, -day, mundane, but sometimes you stop and look around or read something or something pops up on one of your plat platforms and it's just like, the fuck is going on, man? Like, what? have you no decency? Like, why aren't we supposed to just be good neighbors? And yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's, I'm just, I'm disheartened and I'm disappointed. Um, and so I'm, I'm that, putting the onus squarely on the shoulders of your kids to that, fix it by that, that is the thing that is the thing that that I'm that I you know that I, I think I would the biggest thing I would like to change and and I think the thing that that I, I would say that I have faith in the next generation to change that if they have the ability to change it I mean I'm genuinely concerned about democracy I'm concerned about uh, you know rights that we've as americans quite frankly have probably taken for granted a hundred percent you know i mean we all voter, have voter apathy has always been a is has been a problem uh and it continues to be a problem and i think if you vote absolutely vote informed i'm sorry don't go vote if you're not 
you I, have to. I, by the way, uh, no shame here, but I have found myself in a situation more than once where, like, I know it's like a lot of things in my life. I know election day is coming, and I need to like get informed, and and then all of a sudden it's here, and I'm like, fuck. Mm-hmm. And, and I've got a couple of people who have 1000% of my faith and I'll just be like, Hey, what do you think about this topic or whatever? Or issue? give mm-hmm. me your copy of the Scantron with all the right answers mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I can take it in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, something, um, I, you know, I think the good thing is that I, I pay attention a lot more to politics than I ever have in my life. Um, you know, it's, it's forced me, I mean, I've always voted and, but, but I've probably been, as most people, I've been apathetic on issues, yeah. you know, in terms of just educating myself about what all the issues are. Right. Uh, I know a lot more about how government functions or doesn't function now. Um, it's, it's a start. I've, lear- I've learned, you know, yeah. I've, I've learned, learned a lot more, um, but you got to exercise. I mean, people died for the right to vote and there are many people in other countries that would love to have the right to vote and if so if you don't go vote you're fucking stupid <laughs> you heard it here first um so tom- and i don't care who you vote for go vote yeah go vote yeah vote and, and be informed and yes so you wake up tomorrow and all of your people uh, Every arm of your tribe is all the reach. More money is now in your possession than any of those people can spend before they die. Is your day-to-day looking different? Because, I mean, you can continue to do landscape architecture is that, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to, mm-hmm. but you absolutely do not need it to pay your bills, to take your vacations, to pay for your kids' call, whatever the thing is. You don't need to have an income anymore you're you're set are you gonna keep working are you gonna be a project guy are you gonna travel music what what is all of the above okay i mean i i uh yeah so if i won the lottery right um i probably wouldn't and i like i i like my employer um but i probably wouldn't be an employee anymore sure you know, I mean, but I, but I, I, I love what I do. Um, and I feel fortunate that, and as, as, and my musical journey has been a part of it. And, and I will say that, that probably the best thing about my musical journey has been the people that I've met in my journey. Um, and the encouragement that I've, I've, I've received from not only my wife, mainly my wife, uh, my son, my bandmates, um, how'd drum you, teachers. How'd you meet this super fantastic lady? I met her at a bar. Okay. She was singing karaoke, and I was there with a buddy, and he was singing karaoke. Cute. Sorry. And I... yeah, and uh, so, and that was. We've been married seven years. Okay, but uh, her, your kids, your bandmates, just have all encouraged me. Yes. Uh, because. There was a time there, you know, post-divorce, running my own business. Uh, I was lost and lonely and had gotten unhealthy and gotten heavy and wasn't playing music. I, I just, I was sort of floundering in life. Questioning. 
you know, your own, yeah. who, who you are. And, and I think just, um, you know, I had, I had a core group of people that have, you know, encouraged me to, uh, keep it, you know, keep being me. Right on. Um, and I love I'm, that. I'm super happy. And so Good. that dovetails in with the, with the, the money thing. I don't need any more money. Right. I, I mean, I'm doing fine. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm happy. Good. Money doesn't buy you happiness. It buys you options. They, yeah. Yeah. It's a down payment on happiness. <laughs> um, yes, so, it does. But I don't think more money would necessarily make me happier. Right. I get to travel more. Right. And I do love to travel. And cool. Uh, and I got that bug. Favorite place college. you've been and place you're looking forward to going the most? Probably the favorite place I've been was probably Greece. Okay. Very cool. I'll tell you a quick story. My, uh, how back in 94, when I was traveling, uh, I had a Sprint phone card, you know, no one had cell phones back then and it's still very expensive. And how I communicated with my parents was my dad had a fax machine at his office. So I'd go to a American express office and I would write a note and I would fax it to my dad. Cool. And usually it was like, you know, Running low on money, and I was trying to live on a dollar. I was trying to live on a dollar a day. Not miss you, love you, but yeah, hook a brother up. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, hook a brother up. And and I was trying to live on a dollar. I mean, I was really, really trying to live on the cheap. I I would wash dishes in youth hostels, do laundry in youth hostels. Usually, I would be like, "Is there anything I can do in exchange for room and board?" You know, Hell yeah, something. Because uh, I wanted to keep, I wanted to keep the party rolling. I was having a blast trap. You know, I was just bouncing around Europe with my pack by myself, just meeting people. And um, I was in Greece on an island called Eos, and I was staying at this youth hostel. And there was a bartender. They had a bar in the youth hostel, and uh, I had been at this youth hostel for about a week. And I remember he was a British guy, and. I remember thinking he was old. He was probably in his thirties. <laughs> and I was like, so how did you end up here? And he was like, just like you, man. He goes, but I just never left. Mm. And I was like, right on. And I was like, well, you know, I kind of, I kind of think I might want to stay here for a while. It's like July at this point. Um, so he's like, well, we could use another bartender. And I'm like, right on. I'm going to take a semester off of school I'm going to bartend in EOS. So went to the American Express office and I wrote my dad a note. And up to this point, I'd been like, hey, dad, you know, do you think I could move my flight back? Or, you know, could, you know, and he was always like, hey, sure, son, once in a life opportunity. I'm going to wire. How, how would responses come to you? I'm going to wire a hundred bucks. He would, he would write a note back and fax it back to me. Okay. At the so American you, Express office. So you would hang, hang there? Or yeah, would you, I would hang there. Okay. Or I'd go back go the back. next day okay, okay. or whatever, and he would write a note back. Because there was a big time. Usually, he was probably getting these faxes at night. And usually, it's like, sure, son, once-in-a-life opportunity. You know, why are you 50 bucks? Or, you know, I'll bump your flight a month out or whatever. He wrote back, and he said, because I, I said, I'm going to take a semester off of school. I got a job bartending. And I thought, oh, you know. My dad's cool. He's going to totally go for it. He wrote back, son, it's time to come home and underlined it like five times. I said, okay, gigs up. I'm going home. Okay. You, you listened. 
I respect I respected sure. my parents. Yeah, because they, they were very they were they were very supportive up up to the point where I said I'm going to take a semester off of school, and they were they weren't well they were. It sounds to me like they did a good job raising you. It was probably the right uh, advice. If you were, if you were, you could, because you could have been like, Fuck, "Fucking come get me," then you know, I, I, and just gone the I other. I could have, but I respected right. him too much for that. Yeah. Uh, does he? Did he save all of these faxes? Do you know? I ha- I saved that. No, I think I still have that note. But what about on his end? Did he save? I don't know. I no, don't think so. No. But I think I saved that note. I mean, can you imagine telling a kid today that that's how they'd be like? You would send a what? Yeah, fa- my kids don't. They they wouldn't know what a fax is, right? I, I explained to them the rotary dial phone. Yep, and I think they had a hard time wrapping their head around. Well, that. it doesn't even have to be that; just a landline <laughs> that you can't. It's just they're not home. I guess I'll call them again tomorrow, or in six hours, or maybe I'll go and right. Well, a, a voice, uh, the voicemail or the uh, the answering machine. Yes, that was a game changer. Before, call waiting before it was just like. Well, I guess... That just fucking I'll, rings over I'll there. I'll just call another day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm rolling up on a year's worth of episodes, and and, and I've gotten a, a lot of no's, and I've gotten some yeses that eventually become kind of ghosty. Just, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. thought we were... Uh, but you, basically a stranger. We have a mutual friend. Uh, and Keith. you're Yeah, Keith Thompson. Well, and Keith, and Keith's but So how I, I was... my wife and I were down at BE celebrating our seven year wedding anniversary back in September. Okay. And I love Keith and, and we become friends with Keith and Julie. So we'll go down there and, you know, Keith always is, you know, wonderful guy. Yeah. He'll take his time out and come yeah. over and, you know, chill out. And, uh, then his, other buddy came yeah. over. Yeah. I think he's the one who texted you and I'd met him one time before and I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, Tomaski is what Keith yeah. called. That's what he want, wanted to be referred to. Okay. So. And he was like, and they were like, hey, would you be interested in doing this podcast? And I'm like, I've never done a podcast. Wait, so he I... asked you and not Keith? One of, I can't remember. Okay, okay. I think Keith did, but then. Because so... he texted me and he's like, hey, I have, I have another. Keith? Yeah. Okay. I haven't, and that's how I got your number. Okay. Um, but, and how do you know Keith? Uh, when I moved back from Colorado, uh, I got a gig. <laughs> Uh, chef in at McCoy's hmm. and I ended up doing it that's I met my ex there she was a server uh, but I did eight years so I worked at the Gould Evans architects across the street so oh. I used to go to McCoy's all the time oh okay interesting um but nevertheless uh you said you would do it and you you know here you are yeah uh what you know what gave you um I guess, you know, for, for so many people that are either no's right away or yeses and then they become no's, uh, you just were like, yeah, I'll do it. I mean, to me, that's a, it's a remarkable, there, there's some kind of courage, you know, plenty of jokes about you go sit in a stranger's basement, you know, and whatever, cut you up and put you in the fridge and right. everybody's mm-hmm. a creep and a murderer in the world, but you were just, yep, I'll do it. Wake up in a bathtub full of ice. <laughs> And, and, and as, as we mentioned, I mentioned coming down the steps, I mean, you were like, you didn't really waver when I said I had to move times because of kids basketball. You're like, yeah, it's fine. You know, so some people could have been like, you know what? Just, I don't want to just forget it. This is now too much of a 
burden or whatever. I, I'm I'm always I'm usually down for trying something once. And yeah, I didn't know you, but I trust Keith. Sure. And so I was right. like, well, you know. Cool. Well, but it's like uh, I mean, so the other guy, um, you know, similar. I got a list and we picked the date and time and so forth. And then, um, we ended up doing like a, a, a 6 PM start, I believe. And, um, it was like five thirty, and my daughter was like, Hey, can I go to so-and-so's house? And I was like, sure. Uh, she's like, can you take me? And I was like, it has to be now, like get your stuff and that'll be fine. I'll zip over there. I'll get bad. I'm anxious. I'm anxious before everyone, you know, cause I don't want it to suck. You know, I don't want the, I want the other person to have a good time. And anyway, uh, so I'm pulling up to her friend's house and he calls and we've only texted up to this point. And, and I was like, fuck, is he like 20 minutes early? And I'm like, hello. And he's like, Hey man, uh, I just, you know, so like, what's the format of this going to be? And I was like, does he have cold feet? 20 minutes before like that's interesting uh and i was like well you know i kind of have some notes and some questions and we'll talk a little bit about you and blah 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 he's like okay and like for how long and i was like well i mean i've gone 90 minutes i've gone just under five hours i mean it but you tell me we can if you say we need to cap it at 120 i'll try to do my best uh i was like you're not on my porch right now are you he's like no 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 i was like oh thank god i'm uh i'm dropping my daughter off and he goes oh you have a daughter and i was like yeah and there was like this silence and kind of shuffling he's like oh cool man cool well i'll see you in just a few i was like okay and and he came and blah blah, blah. i found out that he was getting ready to go and his wife and they have a two-year-old his wife's like you're gonna do what Oh, my wife said the same thing. Okay. And she, he was like, I'm going to go. And she, you're going to go be on a podcast about music. Why? And so it was a, on speaker. So oh, my, she, my, my wife goes, I need, I need his number and the address of where you're going. Oh, good. Good for her. She right. sounds, Janice sounds amazing. She's does she have a sister? <laughs> she does. Janice is amazing. Uh, but it, I was like, oh yeah, that's, mm -hmm. I suppose like you should be mm -hmm. cautious on some sure. level. So I think as soon as he heard daughter, he's like, you know, we're in the, he's, 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 he's kids. He's a dad. So, um, anyway, it, it, thank you is the very long, uh, the very short, uh, uh, way of saying thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm about a month out okay. I'm dropping one a week and I've got, got a, thankfully I've got a few. So do you edit these? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, I mean, easily three hours for every hour that we do mm -hmm. just to, you know, go from camera to camera and it, Oh, so I'm going to actually be on camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just... No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I would have put on my makeup. Well, you're, you're representing the chiefs. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll cut out, you know, the pee break and put a little intro music and outro music. Mm -hmm. My daughter, um, I was given a work phone. I wish that ever, across the every single person brand just like you could have just given me like 30 bucks a month to help towards my bill and instead we all have now i have two phones so she uses it um and she's way into tiktok which is 
whatever. I mean, yeah, my daughter's too. So am I. I think it's fantastic. But she, uh, for a minute, was kind of into like sort of time lapse sort. So she, the intro video for every episode is done by her. Um, and and yeah, so it it takes a good while. But I'm in a spot right now. The holidays are change things just a tiny bit where I have a few banked. You know, in the beginning, it was kind of like I have to t- take yours today and get it ready in three days or whatever. And that right. So when when do, when do you put this one out? So this will it'll it'll be second week of January, maybe somewhere in there, because I've got I'm wrapping up forty four for this coming Thursday, and then I've got three more. So like a month, basically. Um, but, but it's not, it's, it's, you know, I don't know how it feels for, but, but for me, it's nice because I don't have the pressure right. to turn. Cause that just means it's, uh, all of a sudden, you know, back to back nights up till two and then I got you know, up at six and just like, right. That, that's fine in my twenties and right. the first part of my thirties, but rolling up on 50, I'm like, I gotta go to bed. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I. I get up in the four o'clock hour. I mean, I would love to, but that means eight. I have to. But I go. I try and be in bed no later than ten. Well, I was going to say that would mean like a nine o'clock bedtime, because yeah. at some point it's weird. I I hit mid forties, and I I think it's when I became happy in life. You know. Yeah. Uh, met my wife, got healthy, or healthy, healthier. Healthier. Sure. I still do lots of naughty things. <laughs> uh, and, you know, started playing music again. Um, like my job. It's like good place in life. And so when you're, I think we, I used to kind of not want to face the day. Now I get up. I like being up before the sun's up. But yeah. I think that's a magical time of day. Every person that does it says that. And I, I have done it and agree. I spend that time working out or meditating um there's you know no chance of my phone ringing at that time of day um it's just quiet yeah the world's quiet and i like that yeah but it does it requires you to go to bed early um and at some point you know you i i don't know i hit my 40s and i started looking forward to sunday morning more than saturday night you know or thinking about the next day. I didn't used to think about the next day. This is right now. I, right now I is where Mr. it's at. I am Mr. Right now. <laughs> I'll have another. Yes, right, yes. I will have another. Uh, I'll never say uh, no. <laughs> well, Mr. Right now, uh, let's get, maybe we'll take a quick peek at that kit just for okay, grins yeah. and, and then get you out of here. But thank you very much for doing it. Yeah, it I was appreciate fun. it. I had a good, I had a good time. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs>